This is the Runtime FM Podcast. Tech moves fast. Web development moves fast. And we're up to the very second every single day. Let's do it. This is Runtime FM. And now your hosts, Otis Sutton and Case Eden. Hello and welcome. My name is Otis Sutton and today I am being joined by Case. Case, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Hey, it's uh, Case Eden here. I'm an engineer working for a company in Auckland, New Zealand. Uh, long-time friends with Otis, uh, used to be colleagues as well. Um, yeah, happy to be back. All right, so today we are going to talk about Tailwind. Tailwind has been a particularly hot topic lately on Twitter and Reddit and to an extent YouTube. From my understanding, a lot of it comes back to a tweet that went up a couple of days ago uh, by Shad CN, uh, who works a lot with Tailwind and Next.js. And they posted out some sort of a screenshot of a solution they use where they break up their Tailwind classes. And that that's, of course, started the uh, the Tailwind conversation again. Case and I are big fans of Tailwind. Uh, Case, yeah. you want to tell us a little bit about why we like Tailwind? Probably overlaps with why Otis likes it as well. But um, early on in my career, when I first met Otis, I was a monkey with CSS and Tailwind. <laughs> And which I just brought onto the product we were working at the time, kind of fixed all those woes that I had. So yeah, I kind of loved it from day dot. I use it, you know, still in all my projects, mainly just for simplicity, I guess, of not having 80 things to remember and or 80 different ways to do something. Yeah, even to this day, I still don't actually know what's happening under the hood. Uh, Otis keeps reminding me I can always look at, you know, what tailwinds are going under the hood if I want to actually in CSS. I go from there, but yeah, no chance. But yeah, that's my main reason, simplicity and yeah, not having to learn yet another kind of thing. Cool. Yeah, I echo a lot of that. Um, I think the biggest sell for me has always been how useful it is when you're working on a team. It's so much easier to sort of have your styles, for use of a better word, sort of inlined in the markup than sort of in these separate files that people don't tend to have context over. In teams where we've sort of worked with vanilla CSS, uh, I've often experienced like lots of like dead classes or, or unused cl- code or sort of overlapping classes doing the same thing just simply because team members don't know about existing style sheets and stuff like that. That being said, I think for the purpose of this podcast, I think it'd be a really good idea for us to sort of explore some of the really good arguments against Tailwind and sort of, I guess, give those a little bit of merit and sort of see where we come down on them. Because don't get me wrong, I do think there is a there is a time and a place for traditional CSS. I just don't think it's as often as a lot of the people I see advocating for, you know, for basically the removal of Tailwind or not using it. The first one I see, and I, and I see this one a lot, is that they sort of, it, it clutters your dev tools, right? Um, and what I mean by that is literally when you inspect Element, it sort of fills it up with just all this verbosity um, because of all these additional classes. Do you sort of have any thoughts on that? What's your takeaway? It's kind of been a while since I've, I guess, had to, it's going to sound like a, like a flex, but it's really not. It's the opposite. <laughs> Whenever I, I'm not good enough with CSS to like break it with Tailwind, you know what I mean? Mm, like, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm using it very basically. So there's no point where I've ever really had to go, oh shit, why is this not working? And inspect and really, uh, I guess, get into the clutter or even, 
um, kind of edit in line to see, uh, you know, like in, in the extra DOM and edit the, the mm. classes to see what the problem is. I just kind of keep like, you know, maybe two or three times I'd have to edit something in my source and then, you know, um, reload and double check it's working. So yeah, I, I can't really kind of speak about the the struggle of cluttering your your inspect like element stuff. Have you experienced it all? No, uh, but. <laughs> I, I do understand the argument. The the sort of counter argument I've seen presented, and and like this was this was presented by Adam, like one of the creators of Tailwind. Looking at Tailwind and sort of your dev tools in a lot of ways is really similar to looking to like your at your minified JavaScript. And what he means by that is like we have these abstractions in place, uh, primarily component frameworks which mean like, let's say we're rendering a list, right? And every list item has, you know, eight Tailwind classes and we have 20 list items. We're not writing those eight classes 20 times. You know, we're writing them once to some list item component and then iterating over that. Okay, yeah, I see what you mean now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he sort of took it on board and he was like, yeah, like it does create this sort of cluttered rendered markup. But he's yeah. like, but that's not what we're working with. Yeah, yeah. You know, like we're not hand coding HTML anymore as a general rule. Like that's not our job. So I, I the argument has validity. I just don't think it's as like much of a trump card as it's made out. Sure, there are there are 106 classes or however many it is there on the page, but like, but I'm only actually working with eight in the source. That's an argument that I've seen that I don't really agree with. It certainly is one I come that comes up. The second one, and I know you're going to disagree with this one, and I disagree with this one too. The second one is that Tailwind adds complexity to CSS in the sense that like, it's another set of rules you have to learn. Now, the reason I say you'll disagree is because you haven't learned the I haven't learned yet. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's the other way around. Learning CSS is the, the hard bit, adding rules. Yeah. yeah. Like, I yeah. can see where, where that means they're coming from. It, it's I guess it's the same kind of, um, oh, new JavaScript framework, got to, you know, move along and learn this new thing every two months. It's the same thing, but in the CSS realm. Yeah, I, I actually, it's really interesting. So I don't I don't agree with that argument. I actually, I actually disagree wholeheartedly with that argument because I think Tailwind provides you with a subset of CSS, a really smart, really well thought out subset of CSS that is going to work together. But to counter that, I do think, and this is an argument I never see brought up, that Tailwind stops some developers from gaining that deep understanding of CSS. So I sort of, I, I wanted to ask you about that. Like, <sighs> have you found that that has had an impact on your career, like a, like a meaningful impact? I just stay away from it. <laughs> That's mm. how I avoid it. I avoid kind of having to confront that, uh, you know, lack of knowledge of that department. But I think most of the time I can kind of, maybe I'll spend three or four times as long as someone who knows CSS, you know, decently well. But I can definitely work through it. Looking at the surrounding areas of code that I'm working in, using my my literal knowledge of, of, of CSS and doing some some research myself to figure out what I need to do. But it's just painful. The, the, the biggest mm. problem I always had with CSS was you're never going to find one way to do something. And like, I, I guess that's always the answer, but in, in like you don't see with code, like when you're writing like um you know code, there's always multiple ways to write something, but there's very clear benefits and drawbacks. It's like oh this one's faster but less readable, this one's maintainable but a bit slower. Yeah. But then it's CSS is 
like, look, if you float right, it might break later. Like, I don't know. Or you know, <laughs> if you implement this like grid versus like flex, it's like, I, I didn't even know like why one would be the other. So it's kind of, I, I think I asked you once uh, sitting across you how to do this. And I think you gave me like four answers. And I'm like, why yeah. are we like, why are we here? Why are we here? Yeah. 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 And I think, and some of what I'm going to talk about today is this, like, I think there are some fundamental design flaws with sort of how CSS is implemented. Mm. But one of the hardest things about CSS, and to be fair, this is changing now. Like we have like CSS modules and scope CSS, and we have the browser is trying to address these issues as well as frameworks. At the end of the day, for a very long time, CSS was inherently global. You know, like you were operating in the global scope at all times. And as an industry, we created all of these conventions to try and address this issue. We had uh, BEM, which was block element modifier. We had um, Smack CSS, OO CSS, and a couple more. And like I like I like there was a period in my career where I wrote a lot of CSS working for an agency that like did like a lot of CMS sort of storefronty type things, and there was a lot of templating. And I dove relatively deeply into each of those sort of naming conventions and approaches to try and get a handle on writing CSS at like at scale and in a way that reduced the amount of dead code. And yeah, I even went as far, and I was very young, I even went <laughs> as far as to like write my own naming convention uh, sort of that borrowed from a lot of those different concepts. And I actually too, as like a complete aside, and I never published it as a module, it was just sort of in a project. I actually had a like series of SAS um, mix-ins which generated a ton of utility classes. Now, it was nothing like Tailwind, like it was nowhere near as verbose, but if you think about like the Tailwind spacing utils, um, it was a lot like those, you know? So it was like margins and widths uh, and padding and stuff like that. And just those utility classes that help you move stuff around the page. And that was before Tailwind was a thing. I think that was even before Bootstrap had any real notion of utility classes, but I could be wrong on that one. Yeah, I think like we're starting to like see CSS like claw itself back and sort of introduced, introduced these tools to make it more maintainable. But like some of us have been doing this a long time. And and I think when you've been working with CSS like that for so long, in a lot of ways, Tailwind's a breath of fresh air. I don't feel like I'm ever, well, you're never thinking global when you're writing Tailwind, right? Mm. You're thinking at the element level yeah. that you're working on. I think that Tailwind may in some ways stop people from getting that deep understanding, but in, but in other ways, I think it's almost a safer environment for people who don't have a deep understanding of CSS to work in. I mean, yeah, I was just thinking, I mean, the whole deep, don't get the deep understanding. It's like, well, I guess every high level language you should argue that against because you're not going to have a deep level understanding of what's mm. going on underneath memory management, you know, the CPU, all that sort of stuff. Hmm. So it's like, at what point do we get into this generation where, you know, the tech is surpassed kind of what's required of someone to have to understand for them to do something? We see this, we, we see that argument all the time. Like people don't usually, there, there are people out there who do, but people don't usually come down on a language for creating too much abstraction mm. and sort of moving away from that fundamental tooling but people really come down on framework yeah there's almost like a weird split where like languages we understand they're there to grow and make it easier for the developer to use like a tool and then when mm. it comes to frameworks like oh hold on here it has to be difficult and you have to be in the the cool group of kids who know how to use it properly instead of you know having something usable out of the box which is bizarre and is inherently limited in the mm. browser world right because the browser only understand CSS. Mm. 
you can write languages over the top of CSS, but they're, they're all ultimately compiling to CSS. Yeah, yeah. You know, like at the end of the day. And like, I, I wonder, I do wonder if Tailwind was more like Svelte and had a compiler, I wonder if we would be as critical as we are about the abstractions that it introduces. That's sort of, that's sort of where I wanted to touch on that. I, I ultimately actually think it's great. I think I've worked on a number of teams now where we've had people on the team who are, for use of a better word, weaker on the CSS front, and they are able to be much more impactful with Tailwind Mm. than if we were rolling our own. So I actually think that argument is poor. I feel like those are the two big ones. Really? Those are the biggest arguments for why Tailwind's not good? Those are the two that I see come up the most. Like, I'm I'm trying not to give, like, a skewed view, but when I talk about the browser being verbose, people... People sort of take that to another level and talk about how ugly it is and like get quite emotional. And I don't think that argument's worth <laughs> yeah, talking about. Okay. I, think, I, I don't think they need to argue to it. They need a therapist to begin yeah, like, like, problems. So like there, there is that, but I'm just I'm just sort of leaving that on the table. <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Um, I think there are other arguments. I've seen people talk about Tailwind being less performant, but then I've also seen people talk about Tailwind being significantly more performant and like with the statistics to back it. And to be fair, that's on the premise that you're like appropriately using the purge utility. So it scans through all of your like rendered markup finds all the classes and only ships those honestly i feel like if we're like we're arguing about that like i feel like we've got to the point where we're, we're super redundant in yeah, um, yeah. the sense that like most of the time tailwind or roll it your own you're not shipping that much css you know like compared mm. to the javascript we currently ship yeah um yeah. all over the web now like I, and don't get me wrong there are absolutely outliers to that rule it's not a hard rule but I just, it's one of those arguments again, where I feel like it's that whole like straw man position. And it's just, I just, I don't, I don't live into it. It's just not for me. Yeah. I mean, if you're trying to optimize, you know, your because C- I doubt it's anything massive, right? That it's, you know, uh, failing to be uh, performant on. It's probably like if what, a few, few bytes extra here or there in your CSS. And if you're at that point, you're trying to optimize, look at a different job. Cause what are you optimizing for rocks at that point? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And it's what like remote Island that you're trying to get, get your product to. <laughs> <laughs> the guys at Tailwind, like, they've thought so hard about that story. You know, they've put all these optimizations in place. They've made it very easy to not screw up. I just, I, it just seems moot to me. Like, mm. I feel more like if, if you're somehow making Tailwind a performance concern. Um, yeah, you've got bigger, bigger problems. Mate. Yeah, you've got big fish yeah, to fry, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Like, like, that's not a problem of the, of the tool. That's potentially a problem of how you're using the tool. Yeah. Those are the most common arguments I see against it's probably worth mentioning that like a lot of people sort of cite it not feeling right like it, it feels odd you know it feels kind of like a step backwards it feels like we're moving towards more like inline styles which a couple of years ago were a big no-no really yeah yeah uh well not like a big no-no is in like people said they were unmaintainable and it's like suddenly we're saying tailwind is really maintainable and, mm. and it and it is like it's it's kind of a it's a hard one to quantify i haven't really seen anyone be able to quantify why it's so it feels so much more efficient than inline styles but it definitely 
definitely does. I would say that it's probably those same defaults. The people at Tailwind, they thought really hard about those defaults. They have a, a book called Refactoring UI. And that um I've got that and I'm only about halfway through it. And they put so much thought into that. This notion that Tailwind was just sort of like a hodgepodge of utilities, it's just so far from the truth. You know, like there was so much thought put into that and the color palettes and stuff like that. Like they they really, really thought about that stuff. Yeah, that, that, I, I remember, I think it would have been maybe around the same time. I, uh, definitely at some point where I think you showed me Tailwind, I was watching, you're trying to learn how to kind of, you know, make stuff that doesn't look terrible. So I was trying to watch <laughs> like, you know, some design tutorials about like some common things you could do to at least, you know, ele elevate the look of your apps. And mm. somehow I got along to this guy who was an insanely good designer doing very, very in-depth kind of tutorials on what he would change about certain stuff. And it happened to be, um, there's Adam Wathan and what's the other Steve guy's name? Steve Yeah, something um, like that. It happened to be him. And it was the same time as Lou Towns. So it was very, uh, Skoger. Steve okay. Skoger or something like that. Yeah, yeah. sorry if I'm like pronouncing that. that wrong. I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's very coincidental that it was at the same time. But yeah, he is so good. I think yeah, definitely seeing his kind of design philosophies and how he goes about things, you can see it 100 reflected in uh, in Tailwind and how well thought out it is. I get frustrated and I try not to buy it because it's like the tech community and, and people just have such strong opinions. Yeah. But I do get frustrated when I see people sort of wave it off as like oh, it's just a series of utility libraries. It's like uh, or it's utility classes like it's it's not you know like a mm. lot more went into it than that and it's disingenuous to say that it is i wanted to talk about a couple of the arguments i've seen for tailwind one in particular that i've seen a lot and it completely resonates with me as Tailwind massively improves the ability to copy and paste code. It's the single design language that we're all sort of subscribing to. There are a number of websites now that provide uh, like yeah. free Tailwind components and you just, you just copy and paste the markup. There's no install this NPM module, you know, link the style sheet, make sure it doesn't conflict. Cause I don't know about you, this, this might be something you haven't had to deal with in your career. Early on in my career, you would, you would use different modules, right? So like maybe I've got a calendar, like a, like a date input, and maybe I've got, I'm trying to think of something else, some sort of like social media widget, whatever, okay? And both of those modules require me to like input some JavaScript and input some CSS. And both of those modules have a dot card class. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden those card classes are starting to interfere with each other. I'm getting mixed styles and I'm having to like manually rectify that. And it didn't happen a lot. Like a lot of the time people use like scope CSS or they'd like prefix the class name with, you know, like DP for date picker, you know, or something like that. And, and you would get around that issue. And I know that there are things like like scope CSS and stuff and component libraries are trying to solve that problem now. So it's probably not as much of a problem as it was, but it sucked. You know, mm. and you just don't have that with Tailwind at all. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I don't think at any point in my career, apart from like now, when I'm not really, like I, I have a better understanding, like definitely earlier on in my career, I don't think I ever touched any like raw CSS or any sort of framework that was closer to, the, to raw than something like Tailwind. Really? Lucky me, yeah, yeah. Because my first job was all like, c-sharp backend stuff mm -hmm, mm -hmm. oh okay i did work with like uh razor templates which is yeah, yeah. I, it's gone out of my mind 
so I can't remember <laughs> if I ever touched the SS there. Uh, and then second was at Fingermark with uh, you, and I think the first thing I touched was the dashboard, which had as uh, material UI. Um, oh, so I, I was, I was my just condolences. Chuck- yeah, I, I think I was just throwing properties on on a on a component, hoping it looked good. And then next was Tailwind. That's really interesting. That's quite refreshing, though. Like you're thinking about Zoomers these days. No, 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 not at all. I was actually thinking that that probably makes your take more realistic than mine in the sense that if there's one thing that that software engineers are good at it's being burnt by some sort of technology years and years ago and and never using it again and like swearing off it and being like oh this this new tool is so much better because it doesn't do that thing that library x does and it's like library x hasn't done that in six years it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. six years ago yeah. and I'll never recover. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, that's actually quite refreshing in the sense that yeah it probably makes your take way more realistic than mine um, uh, i don't know because i think you have a good, good take because you were you know, balls deep in, in CSS before Tailwind mm. came out. So you have a really deep understanding of this side. And I don't think it's very difficult to get a deep understanding of Tailwind from that. So you probably have a, a very good understanding of both of them and can weigh them up, I guess, more objectively. Whereas mm. mine's way more subjective. It's like, oh, I just hated CSS, didn't touch it. This this one's good. That's totally fair. I will say that I, when I get the opportunity, like I've been working on a small um, to-do list. I know how creative lately. <laughs> and <laughs> And I took that as an opportunity to have a play around with Lightning CSS, which is, uh, it's essentially a compiler from the guys who built Parcel. And it basically is just letting you write future CSS syntax. So it's not, it's kind of like Babel for JavaScript. As in, like, it lets you write in in a future spec that isn't in browsers yet. And that future spec has things like variables and nesting. So it's very similar to something like SAS, which we would have used sort of four or five years ago. And I have to admit, when I'm working on my own and not in a team, writing sort of like bespoke CSS by hand is quite fun. As soon as you move on to a team, I just think that the, the value proposition for Tailwind is much too high to leave it on the table. But for my own stuff, and again, like this is, I know that'd be like your worst nightmare. Um, yeah, I'm cringing at that, that one. Yeah. The spokes <laughs> DSS is fun. What <laughs> But yeah, like for me, like I guess it's like, it's like they're getting like back to your roots type thing. And I really yeah. enjoy it. And I like, I can say that. Like, and I think a lot of people who like dislike Tailwind are like, ah, like it's, you know, it's not pure. I have all this fun writing this. It's like, I get that you having a good time at the cost of your team's productivity particularly if you have people on your team who hate css not cool man like mm-hmm. not not cool at all and i i think that like does need to be brought forward like if you're on a team of quite senior people who all know css really deeply and want to write it by hand by all means yeah you know like by all means do that i think for almost any other situation uh, where the team isn't at that level, I just feel like Tailwind's the the better call. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to make parallels between other because with the whole kind of language thing, there was some clear reasoning why it's a completely different kind of area. I think that you can make not not, not necessarily. I believe it's different areas. So yeah, it makes sense, but it's such a big jump from something so large like a programming language to something like CSS that I can see there be a, a lot of space to make arguments for why it's different. But so I'm trying to get closer and closer to where like CSS fits 
Robinson. And I'm trying to think of like, you know, these frameworks that kind of, you know, sit on top of stuff like JavaScript or, or mm. you know, HTML, stuff like that. And trying to think, where's an example where you have a very senior team that would prefer to write all of their, I don't know, uh, all of their back end code. Yeah, hand. exactly, by hand. Oh, like, what, oh, like, oh, like uh, it feels like, uh, unless I'm, I'm misreading or misunderstanding Tailwind and its limitations, uh, there's not like, surely, surely there's, there's probably stuff that you can't do with Tailwind, but it's not going to be like, you know, there's a massive portion of CSS that you miss out on, right? No, no. And it, it wouldn't have been able to become as popular as, as it has if that was the case. And that's what I mean. Then why, why aren't like, these super senior guys who enjoy, who prefer to write CSS by hand because, oh, you lose the, the depth or whatever. Um, why aren't they, yeah, writing their event buses or, you know, writing their, their backend network frameworks? Um, a very, very good question. And, and they're going to say, oh, yeah. it's just quicker, you know? It's like the same thing. Like, you know, I don't want yeah. to write 10 properties to get a, a blue button. Yeah, and I've... BG Blue. I've, 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 seen, <laughs> <laughs> I've seen the argument that like Tailwind reduces understanding and I I do oh, it yeah. just doesn't compute. No, no, but like as in is. like it reduces like your understanding of like of like how the of how the code I guess runs. And I'm like, really though? Because I can like I can read the tailwind and like see the component without rendering it. You know, whereas like if you oh, put okay. like profile card. Like there are a hundred ways I can interpret that. True, yeah, you know? that's a good point. I, yeah, I guess I guess it depends what you mean by like reduces understanding. If you mean like pulls you further away from needing to understand CSS, then yeah, maybe it does. But um, <laughs> like in terms of like reducing like the semantic correctness of the HTML, I don't think it does. I, yeah. I actually like it. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, yeah, that's a good point, I guess. Because that's what I was trying to think earlier was, you know, there's, a, I don't mean you do it, we make a very clear distinction in our code between the view, um, you know, I guess the semantic HTML and the CSS mm. and the, the JavaScript code, you know, the actual kind of, um, yes. what, what do you call yeah. it? Uh, yeah. I, yeah. And, and I was trying to think, you know, in what world would you need to put your CSS away from the HTML to have them separate? You know, I guess that was the only thing HTML is, right? It's for that semantic kind of structure of your page. And then CSS, the styling. Why do they have to be separate? Like, I, I, I sort of hold a lot of overhead to, to keep the HTML separate. I'm not going to, you know, struggle reading 10 divs. I am so glad that you said that because that was one of the positive takes that on Tailwind that I've seen. I want to talk mm. about, and you've just you beautifully hey. dovetailed into that. Ten points. So yeah, and to, I didn't tell you beforehand. Like, <laughs> it, was, it was just brilliant. Yeah. Um, so one thing I've seen someone say is that uh, CSS is a poor abstraction, uh, like fundamentally. What I mean by that is it is really weird that we have separated the appearance from the structure when like the two like they are the same concern like they're inherently intertwined they yeah. you can't use one without the other one of the things that i saw cited and i just someone just absolutely ruined this argument i totally agree with them was someone said like oh well i use my css classes to give my html semantic meaning you know like i i call the div card and it's like that's not what css is for yeah and and that's a failure of html you know like in the same way and like like we have like a nav bar element we have an aside element like so many of these people are like oh well, i use css to provide semantic meaning use just divs you know yeah and they're like i need the css for semantics it's like no html is for the semantics and in areas where it doesn't have it, like that is a failure of HTML and you shouldn't sort of like, like, you know, force your 
CSS into like an HTML shaped hole mm. to provide your markup with semantic meaning when that's not what it's for. This might be a, you might feel like a, like a bit of an old head here when I ask this question, <laughs> but I guess back before, I, cause I actually genuinely don't know what you did before the popularization of stuff like React and these kind of um, frameworks. Could you componentize like HTML before all of that became a thing? Kinda. So, and to be fair, uh, even I am probably potentially a bit too young to comment on what this was like early, early days. Mm -hmm. But my experience of how we handled these problems and the closest thing we had to sort of components was like server-side templating engines, much in the same way you were talking about um, what was Razor? Was it Razor? Um, yeah, templates so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so in tools like Laravel, we had something called Blade and the Silvertripe CMS, which was the one I used a lot uh, in sort of my first dev role. They had this sort of, you would have never used mustache templates, would you? Uh, no, but I, I don't know if it's similar, but I have messed around with the handlebars at the same thing. Yeah. Handlebars. Yeah. Yeah. That's, okay. that's yeah, in the same vein with like the double, double yeah. squirrelies. Yeah. So that was sort of our answer to this problem. We had tools like that and there were, and, and sort of even from that, we had things like, I guess they were, they were HTML pre-processors much in the same way. Like SAS was a pre-processor where you could define, we didn't call them components, then we called them includes. And you'd have like a card include and it would be like underscore card dot HTML. And then it could, yeah, like it could receive some, some parameters. And this was all done at build time. Like this wasn't done at runtime, okay, yeah. you know? So like these, this HTML was statically rendered at build time and then shipped. That was sort of how we approached that problem. Does it solve the problem? Like, well, I, I don't know. My, my, yeah, my, my, my thought process was, and that example you gave with the whole, oh, I, I use my CSS classes to, to what, what, the, use provide the semantic meaning. Yeah. Okay. Provide yeah. semantic meaning. That, that doesn't make sense. But I think there is kind of like, you know, there's, there is a space where you'd have like two divs and there probably mm. isn't much more of a semantic element to use, but they are mm. still fundamentally different things where you'd want to provide some, I guess, additional context or like an annotation of what this thing is in the DOM. This is my card versus this is my container. And I think, and I'm going to call those annotations for now. Uh, no, yep. co context yep. sounds better actually. Context. If pre, you know, uh, current JavaScript kind of ecosystem, there was no mm. easy way to component, you know, make stuff into components and you kind of, let's say, add to everything in, in one massive file, then okay, that kind of makes some sense. You know, if you have a bunch of divs everywhere, it might be a nice way to name something. Whereas nowadays we extract that to a component and give it a reasonable name right you give it yes it would be named yeah. card as my component and when you put it into your your um, screen it would make a lot more sense that's a, that, that that sounds like that was reasonable back then but nowadays it might just be kind of holding on to what used to be your old patterns yeah and to be clear i don't like as a notion yes it like it, it has like a solid foundation but it is absolutely not the purpose of css Mm. and it's 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 a poor argument to act like it is yeah you know and to be like oh well like css is for providing semantic meaning it's not it never has been mm. uh was it used for that in the past yes was it useful yes like totally agree but 
we like we have better options like you say you know we have things like these component frameworks which provide just terrific context as to what something is and mm. where it should be used so yeah i found that one really interesting um the sort of developer yeah was talking about how the idea of having your class and your your markup separate was a bad abstraction and bringing them back together which is essentially what tailwind allows us to do it's it's an odd way to make it happen but it's essentially what's happening yeah um they were like that's actually a more natural abstraction and potentially what it should have always been i think it's um, i think it's a, a it makes a lot of sense to simplify the css before you put it back kind of together again because mm. oh man it's unreadable um like base css i think i yep yeah i wholeheartedly agree and there are there are so many foot guns you know like when you're learning basic css how often like are those examples that you're referencing on the web using um pixel units you know px yeah exactly and that's not responsive friendly you know like in the modern responsive web we're meant to use like rem you know and tailwind does that all under the under the hood that you yeah. don't have to think about it there are like float you know like when i started development you you absolutely use float nowadays if you use float someone you know pops out of the shadows and takes you to the nether realm you know like yeah. it's just such a no-no and it's but like but you have to, you have no context of that when you're learning yes exactly. and tailwind really smooths over those those things now does it smooth over them so well that you potentially never learn about them <laughs> but but for some is people, it a good thing, or thing? Yeah. yeah yeah like like, like you should have the choice yeah it's so good at doing its job that it's revolutionizing not having to learn. People are literally getting upset because it's so good at its job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, like you make a really good point. Like, it's so good at its job. Because of that, people don't feel the need to get this deep understanding. And some people are upset about that. It's the whole, like, you know, we're going to forgive the student loans. Oh, why are we going to forgive them? I had to pay for yeah, mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, if, so, if I had to feel the pain, you shall too. Yeah, like, yeah. so, like... If that's the case, we should all be writing machine code. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, we, should, like, we should be on uh, what are those uh, paper cut holes, punch holes, or what are they called? Yeah, punch like, holes, punch like, holes. Like, like those guys had to go through hell of it. You didn't see them go like, ah, these yeah. people yeah. faces. Yeah, yeah. Get them out of here. Yeah. Oh, actually, I'm sure there was someone who was, who was absolutely like that. Yeah. I think giving people the option as to whether or not they like they want to be the CSS guru on their team, you know, they want <laughs> to learn it inside out. It's so much healthier if they get to choose that instead of sort of being forced into it. The next thing I wanted to touch on was I was reading a an article by Ryan Dow the other day, the guy behind Node and now Dino. And it was it was a bit of a rant piece, to be completely honest with you. He was sort of talking about how complex software has gotten and it's just like it, it's excessive and he's effectively over it but that's that's not what's important what he sort of talked about was he was saying like his favorite software is simple software and the level of compromise he's willing to make on how simple that software is is relative to the size of the problem the software solves i was thinking about that relative to tailwind and i was thinking about react and when you think about react react is complex you know like yeah. as a tool 
and and there is there are a lot of yeah particularly if you want to do it right as well you know there's there's quite a lot to learn but but we've brought into it right as an industry yeah. we all yeah. use it and i was thinking about that and i was like why is that and i was like well the problem react is solving is really big building sort of data-driven interfaces without something like react is just horrible i think that's why right so like it's like there's this level of complexity that we buy into but it's because the problem it's solving is very large yes yeah and i was wondering if maybe tailwind exists really close to the middle which is why we see some people jumping in whole hog because for them the complexity that it introduces and you could argue about how much there is but the complexity it introduces does solve a big problem yeah i i think what probably more is or in my experience is probably i i say if we had this conversation in 10 years tailwind would be way closer to being the the reactive css because the problem it's solving is, isn't something like oh it's difficult to do x or you know it's it's it's, yeah, it's difficult to um you know write data-driven um mm. front ends or whatever it's CSS is inherently hard to learn. And mm. everyone in the industry now is already, you know, they're 40 years old, they've learned CSS. That isn't a problem they have. Whereas in 10 years' mm. time, we're going to have all these new kids who started learning CSS. Oh, this is quite, you know, there's quite a lot to learn here. It's quite um, difficult. There's a lot of ins and outs. Oh, what if I just try this this tailwind thingy? Oh, it's way simpler. It solved the problem of, of the learning, the, the jumping over the first hurdle, whereas mm. you probably don't have that now. So there is no problem necessarily for you to solve in terms of the learning curve that these guys, you know, have already gone over as well. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I do. So I think that's a really interesting point. So what do you think that means for like Tailwind 10, 10 years from now? Or what do you think the evolution of Tailwind is? It doesn't have to be Tailwind. If we're already in this 50-50, we're like, I would say most of the people who are engineers right now and are participating in this argument are more senior devs who know css i'd mm. say it's very good because even that, that means half of the people i'm just theoretically let's say the argument is 50, 50 split the community that means mm. the other half of people who already know css are saying oh no i like tailwind so in 10 years time when we've got another you know say 80 percent of people don't know css or are learning css and they pick up tailwind they're like oh yeah this is you know a million times better i think yeah it'll just keep mm. getting more and more popular as um, as time goes on i think that's i think that's a really good take as time goes on and we've sort of seen this in past iterations the complexity of tailwind reduces and the problem area that it that it operates in actually you know like it it's it's solving more of the problem yeah. you know like if we look at tailwind today it has this notion of like one-off or like dynamic classes for, for things you sort of want to do one time mm. and in early tailwind that wasn't an option and it was quite uncomfortable to do and usually you just sort of resorted to writing your own css for those little bits yeah now that problem's totally solved so yeah, sort of in line with what you're saying, I think, yeah, we're just going to see more and more buy-in. And and particularly from engineers, and I, like, I don't mean this in a negative way at all, particularly from engineers like yourself who aren't interested in CSS. Yeah. You know, like it's a means to an end. And if there's a quote-unquote shortcut you can take that, that yields a high-quality result, why wouldn't you? Yeah. I, that being said, I think, because I was just thinking, you know, I'm not learning CSS for the sake of learning CSS. I'm learning CSS to make stuff look semi-decent, not, you know, hmm. black boxes on my screen. Um, and in that case, I shouldn't have to learn all these weird paradigms and all these different ways to do something, all these intricacies of float verse, grid verse, 
Thanks, folks. Mm. I should just be able to change colors on my screen and put them somewhere. And, yep. and, and you know, a lot of time, yeah, it's Taiwan does all that out of the box. But one thing I think when you get to the upper limit, let's say you're really into that kind of front end um, UI, UX kind of space, and you want to make some really cool looking out the gate animation things, but you know, big test racks spinning on the screen. That's where like <laughs> something like Tailwind you cannot do. And that's where you'd have to go, I guess, learn all the kind of underlying CSS behind it. I've definitely, I have run into that before, I think, where I've been like, yo, this would be so cool if, you know, when my mouse hovers over this portion of the background, it, it wobbles like it's made out of jelly or something. And it's like, mm. I would have, I have no idea where to start on that. Yeah. I, yeah. Once you sort of move out of the realm of, of a few stock standard animations yeah. and, and they are, they are stock standard in the <laughs> sense that they are what people usually want. Yeah. Uh, as soon as you move out of that, Tailwind sort of left you behind. And yeah. and there are a number of answers to that problem. You know, it might be a matter of rolling some really intricate CSS frames. It might be a matter of using, you know, like a JavaScript library yeah. to, to sort of handle those animations. Um, but I do think you're right. I think as an industry, we'd probably benefit a lot more from actually talking about that upper limit than we would about talking about whether or not tailwind is good because we do or don't like the way it looks yeah you know yeah. um it's an interesting one cool last thing i want to touch on really really quickly is some of the sort of flow on effects that we've seen as a result of tailwind um there's been a couple of libraries that have come out uh sort of I don't want to say to address Tailwind shortfalls. I just want to say, I guess, sort of extensions on top of Tailwind to uh, make it less verbose in instances where you may want that. Um, so two of, two of the big ones that come to mind are Windy CSS and Uno CSS. Uno CSS, I think, and I could be wrong on this, can in a lot of ways be considered the successor to Windy CSS. And they're both from Anthony Fu, who is a core contributor on the Vue team and has quite a bit to do with the Vite. And they are, I, I don't really know how to describe them. They're sort of, they're ways to use the tailwind that you know, or or something very similar, and sort of more more terse terms. So a really basic example is in tailwind, you would have text yellow two hundred, right, which would set the color of the text. And something like Uno CSS, you have C yellow one or C yellow two for you know two hundred. So it's it's just removed like six or seven characters. Oh, okay. And this yeah, yeah, and like I, there there are like cooler things that they can do as well. Um, it's been a while since I've looked at them, so I'm I'm sort of struggling to make a a good example. But they um yeah they like have ways you can sort of string these things together and. In an instance like this, I think size does matter because like one of the things we're talking about is verbosity, right? And like yeah. if you can strip a significant amount of the characters off, because you, like we've all been there, we've seen that, you know, that one element that has like 16 classes on it. Yeah, okay, that is a bit ugly, you know, like I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll live into that argument. I'll, I'll get behind it. I can understand that. You know, if you can take four characters off each of those 16, that's, you know, like 52 characters less, which is, which is substantial. I think we are seeing a um a couple of things like that. We're also seeing like they're quite dynamic. I remember Windy CSS had like the syntax where you could go like hover 
colon bracket and then in the bracket you'd put all of the bg or like the the, the classes so you'd have like inside your brackets you'd have like bg gray 400 space like font medium space you know like text yellow 100 and instead of having to have all of those classes prefixed oh, with yep. hover colon yep, yep. so it was just like a it it's was close. like a shorthand yeah so i definitely think there's there's innovation happening in the space in terms of like how we solve i don't want to call them problems but i guess like how we solve some of those like eyesores that yes, people yeah. are less comfortable with yeah um that's really and, nice actually i'm looking at the the docs right now um, yeah exactly yeah and like there are people who who do it do like it and don't like it um I don't actually have a strong opinion. The sort of the reason I use Tailwind is because it's a standard to an extent. And like I said, like I can go on those various platforms that have, you know, like like headless or pre-built Tailwind components and just copy paste. And there's a lot of value there. I think tools like Wendy and Uno are really going to push the envelope and increase the flexibility, the power, the terseness of, of these sort of tools over time. And, and I think that's what we want. And then the last thing I wanted to touch on really quickly <laughs> was the sort of alternatives to Tailwind and the one I want to call out and talk about, and I've, I've talked about it a little bit already, is Lightning CSS. Um, and the reason I want to call that out is I feel like a lot of people, and potentially even you, fall into this camp of like, if it's not Tailwind, it's SAS. What is nice about Lightning CSS is in theory, at some point, you're going to be able to ship those CSS files directly to the browser without a compiler, because it's it's adhering to the future spec. Um, another one that a lot of people talk about is Vanilla Extract. It's a cool name. Awesome name, yeah. right? And that's more of a sort of CSS and JavaScript solution, but it's the the people behind it put a lot of work into like the TypeScript story. So it has a really, really pleasant TypeScript story if you're already using something like CSS and JS and you want to sort of, you want to take that to the next level, I guess. Yeah. I think it's a great time to be a front-end developer. We have oodles and oodles of choices. I think Tailwind's great. I know it's not for everyone, but from where I'm standing as someone who likes to use it and also enjoys not using it, I think a lot of the arguments we see against it don't really stand up. Yeah, neither. So that was everything from me. Was there was there sort of anything else from you? Um, yeah, yeah. If you get a segue, um, there was something I was thinking about. It's one of uh, my fondest. I think, yeah, doing one of the coolest moments they had to do a tailwind was um, Norris and I working on the same product. Um, it was very common for us to get <laughs> stuff thrown on our desk uh, Monday morning. That had to be done by uh, Wednesday or Friday. They most time were very unreasonable. And one day we got after. By the way, we had already kind of had this discussion a few months beforehand. Oh, you know, don't worry team you know this will be running on a very specific device it won't need to be responsive and then one day we come in and it's oh guys we have a week to make it fully responsive uh which had not been planned at all and otis goes oh hey wait a second tailwind's all based on rem let me try something and he says to me i go to the you know main css file and just change what the rem value is for different kind of uh media sizes yeah and yeah. transform the entire application <laughs> to responsive on mobile tablet and desktop uh, which is it was so crazy to me i was blown away <laughs> it was like a two minute job it just worked it was, I, I don't think oh, no, yeah, i guess that's you know that's uh, a plus for Tailwind in terms of how they've designed stuff based on, you know, something like Yeah, Rim. and like, <laughs> don't get me wrong, 
it was the mother of all hacks. Oh, you know, but, yeah, yeah. What are you gonna do with like three days to respond to your whole app? It, yeah, it absolutely bailed us out. Oh yeah. And to this day, I am so thankful. You know, it's crazy. For that, I think for that hack to this to this day is that still how it works for that yeah, potentially. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, that's quite cool. quite potentially. Yeah. So that is another like a really good argument. For, and not not even to do with Tailwind. That's just a really good argument for having a standard. So no matter what you're using, having something like that, like having some sort of unit that everything is built on, ideally a unit that you can change, is just, it's just going to save you at some point in your career. And it saved us that time. Yeah, 100%. On that note, we will wrap up. But yeah, that's that's been a good conversation about sort of the pros and cons of Tailwind. Yeah, it's been great. Cool. Catch you later. Sweet. Catch you. You've been listening to Runtime FM. Look, things in tech and web development move, to say the least, fast. On this show, we keep you up to date with the blazing speed of tech. We hope you've enjoyed the show. If you did, make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit the website at runtime.fm. See you next time.